0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Great Loop Tales. We are live streaming on the AGLCA social media platforms. We're really excited about tonight's session. And if you haven't joined us before, these are opportunities where we bring in some of our gold loopers, which is anyone who's completed the Great Loop route and we have them share some of the stories of their Great Loop adventures. So if you are familiar with the Great Loop, you know that Docktails is often a, a big part of the end of the day on the Great Loop where everyone is tied up at a marina and kind of shares a cocktail or two and the, the stories of their day. And we decided to bring that to you in a virtual format. And uh, we spell tales with a T-L-T-A-L-E-S here because we're sharing the stories of the Great Loop, but you may also have a Docktail with you. So if you do, Please enjoy. Um, As I said, we're we're very excited today because our guests are pontoon loopers. And it is not every day that we have people who complete the Great Loop on a pontoon. It's a pretty great feat. So um, Scott Myers will be joining us. He was aboard for the entire Great Loop. And he's also got some friends and his daughter joining him. So we'll talk to all of them. A couple of quick items to point out. If you are joining us on our Facebook group, The Great Loop, Facebook groups don't interface as well with platforms like the one that we are on. So you are welcome to type into the comments. We will see your comments, but we won't see who you are. All we'll be able to see if you're typing that in from the Facebook group is that it's a Facebook user. If you want us to know who you are, you can go to um, Facebook.com slash A-G-L-C-A. That's for America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. That's our main Facebook page. And... On a Facebook page, Facebook allows a platform like we're coming to you from to interact a little bit more, so we'll be able to see your actual name. But those are, that's kind of what's going on tonight. We're happy to have you with us. And I do want to invite um, Scott Myers and crew to uh, welcome to Docktails.
1: Thank you, Kim. It's so nice to be here. We're excited yeah. to talk about how we did the trip. Thank you.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm happy to have you because we always love to feature kind of, um, we like to call it not your average looper, um, and certainly doing it on a pontoon boat qualifies for that. Um, but let's start a little bit with introductions. I don't know if, if each of you want to introduce yourselves, or Scott, if you want to introduce your crew members.
1: Yeah, I may start, and then we can yeah. uh, have them if they'd like to say a few words. Uh, Joel, on my very right, is uh, far right. He's my nephew, and uh he joined us from the uh, about the Statue of Liberty all the way down to Alton, Illinois. So um, he has a very special story I, I hope we get to share tonight. Um, we've got Andre here. He's been kind of my uh, main uh, partner in crime. We started in Sarasota together and made it all the way to kind of the bottom part of Lake Michigan together. So a lot of, lot of miles. This is my daughter I'm super proud of, uh, part of my family. Um, she was able to do about 700 miles, I think, from Southport, North Carolina, all the way up to Annapolis. So she saw Pamlico Sound, Albemarle Sound, Chesapeake Bay, all on a pontoon, tri-tune. Um Tomorrow she heads to Orlando for an NCAA cheer competition. So we're super proud about that. And she goes to Davidson College.
0: Well, good luck in the cheer competition, Lauren. Thank you. <laughs> sure.
1: Oh, one more thing. Can I share one more thing? Yeah, please do. Okay. It. Tomorrow, we're going to have a U.S. citizen here, Andre gets, after six years, full U.S. citizenship, and we couldn't be more proud. So that's probably our most exciting news for tonight is that. Thank you. That is very
0: exciting. And congratulations on that, Andre. That's really impressive. And we're, we're proud to have you as a U.S. citizen.
2: Appreciate that. So
0: as I said, you know, um, a pontoon boat for the loop is a little bit unusual. Um so I want to dive in a little bit, Scott, onto you know, what made you decide a pontoon boat was the right one for you? Because I, frankly, we often advise people against pontoon boats. Right. Um, yeah. we'll, yeah. we'll get into that in a little bit, but in a lot of situations, it may not be safe, depending on the boat, for the Great Loop. So, so tell us why you decided that's right yeah, for you. I look, <laughs>
1: yeah, I would look at what we did as more of a cautionary tale. Like, I don't recommend everyone go out and buy tri-tunes and do it. And I would feel terrible. Mm if something bad happened to someone on the loop. So Uh I get it. And I love the cruiser lifestyle. So um, with all that, um, what happened was I was working here at the office one day and I met Rex Malloy, who finished the great loop with his wife, Jan Malloy in 2000. They went from 2005 to 2007 on a 43 foot Albin called Grand Start. So they're part of the association. Uh, but once I heard it, I just absolutely wanted to do the trip. I had done some boating in lakes and rivers, and my grandparents were in Florida, uh, you know, when I was growing up. So we, we spent a lot of time on smaller, you know, 16-foot aluminum boats, fishing, that kind of stuff. Lauren here wakeboards a lot. I, I drag her all over Table Rock Lake wakeboarding, my son Reed and Brooke as well. So uh, So boating, being on the lake, that kind of stuff is super exciting to me. But after hearing that, I knew for sure I wanted to to do the trip. Um, What inspired me to use a tri-tune was a guy named Lynn Morgan, who had actually done the trip um, on a 24-foot premier tri-tune a few years before. So that's after looking at all the different boats, I kind of needed one where I could get around the loop uh, in segments and come back and work and uh, be with family. So to me... um, that boat appealed to me. There are other reasons. It's a very stable type of boat and they're making them stronger than they used to. So um, to me, it was a challenge. And, um, you know, each time I was about to trade the boat out, I always went back to the tritune. And I think it was the challenge that kept me on that boat, that type of boat.
0: Yeah. And and um, so tell us a little bit more about the boat. I think this is a good time to do that. We'll probably okay. end up coming back to some of the details about the boat, okay. because as we've learned, as we've gone through these docktails, obviously not everybody has the full hour to spend with us on social media. Um, so after we describe the boat.
2: Towards right. the second
0: half, we'll probably have people asking questions about the boat. But let's go ahead and, and kind of set the stage of a little bit more. We've mentioned it was a tri-tune, so go ahead yes. and tell us a little bit. And yeah, yeah, so there are many tri So, yeah, go I'm ahead. Sorry,
1: I'm sorry, Kim. Yeah, so um, the way tri-tunes are built, um, you know, that used to they had two pontoons. They'd have a small motor, and, and people used them on the lake. Um, there's a boat, a JC tri-tune, that around 2006, they were making uh, with thicker aluminum, like 125-gauge aluminum. Uh, just much stronger. The platform is a lot stronger. Um, the boat I found had a 225 horsepower Honda motor on it, and I thought that was plenty of power. Uh, I knew the boat would go about 32 miles an hour all day long, very reliably. These uh, these these um, four-stroke engines are very reliable. So I chose that boat, uh, and that's the boat. It's a yellow boat. It's not the prettiest one, but um, but it got me from uh, Paducah to it, from Kentucky Lake all the way to uh, to uh, Cortez, Florida, which is right by Sarasota Bay. Um, I had a hundred extra gallons of fuel on that boat uh, in two fuel bladders. So uh, being alone, I guess it's uh, safer if one person uh, goes down. So I'm glad I didn't have a lot of people on that particular boat.
0: So that portion of the route obviously includes the Gulf crossing. Yes. Um, So, and that is one of the particular places that we probably would caution those who ask us questions about, can you do the loop on a a pontoon boat? So tell us about your crossing.
1: Okay. So um, my roughest day, that that was one week on that first part of the trip. My roughest day was in Mobile Bay. There was a small craft advisory that day. And if you can imagine just how rough that was, uh, that kind of extended from the Dog River area all the way to, almost Apalachicola. By evening, it got really nice back there in the canals by Apalachicola. Um, so I stayed the night there, and the next morning I was up gassing up around 7 a.m., and I ran into a fisherman, a young guy who spent a lot of ice on his boat, and I told him what I was about to do, and I didn't know much about weather. I mean, I had been through, like, I mean, the the, the, um, the Mobile Bay area shook me a bit, but but I stayed after it. Um, but he told me about the weather conditions that day and he said, I think you can make it. And I said, well, okay, that sounds good. And he said, you have your weather radio, right? And, you know, I had my two way radio, but I didn't know there was a weather station that would repeat, you know, the seas are two to three feet, winds are 13 knots, six seconds apart, you know, all of that stuff. I listened to that or, across the entire, uh, stretch of the Gulf of Mexico that day. Uh, but I think it was just the fact that he told me he thought I could do it uh, that helped me a lot that day to give me enough courage to actually mm-hmm. do it. One of the things I did, I want to say I did it wrong. I went south through Governor's Cut and then I went across to Stanachi. So I think I spent a lot of time out, you know, you know, outside of land that I could have avoided by going north a little bit.
0: Yeah. yeah and that's yeah,
1: alligated um, blind. Yeah.
0: So. What what's the what does she draw? What is what did your pontoon uh, boat for that foot. like? Yeah, about yeah. a
1: foot. Mm-hmm. So, so I for could've... most
0: loopers, they they would have to cut across to Um, But the fact that you only draw a foot means you probably could have stayed a little bit closer to land. Um, yeah, yeah. So in addition to that, is there anything else that you did, uh, you know, to? Pro- particularly to prepare the boat or yourself for some of the big water to make it a little bit safer on a pontoon boat around the loop?
1: I didn't do anything to the platform of the boat. You know, you have to think about gas. I think we all have to think about that. I added a uh, T into the fuel line and uh, the two 50 gallon fuel bladders. I had you know enough hose um, that I could run a fuel line straight into the uh, water fuel separator area. Um, I also had a 12 volt uh, pump that we could pump uh, fuel right into the main tank. So mm-hmm. I did modify the boat somewhat for that. Um, and I took way too much on the first part of the trip, Kim. You know, if you think about getting prepared, you think about everything that can go wrong. I took three sleeping bags on that boat and I was the only person on it. So it just makes no sense. <laughs> of the stuff I did. So, uh, uh-huh. so don't look at me as the expert, but we did get better with time.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, any concerns about, you know, the size of waves and things like that? Because, and I'm not so familiar with your particular boat, but a lot right. of tritunes or pontoons are not um, really designed to take, you know, right. three, four foot waves. So was that yeah. a concern for you?
1: It was a concern, but I thought if I picked my weather right, that it would be mm-hmm. fine. So, um, I was really surprised in Mobile Bay with the small craft advisory because the day looked nice. I'm sure we've all seen these days where it's a little bit cloudy, nice day and you get out there and it's really rough. so I learned a lot pretty fast that that uh, what I see in the river is not what's going on in the big bay so uh, so I learned something there. I'd say these boats can handle about three foot waves, not you know three to fours and you really need to be off the water so. One of the advantages of the boat is we can be off the water very fast. You know, these boats will go 30, 40, even 50 miles an hour. And we were always looking for our next place to get off the water, Kim. Mm-hmm.
0: That, that's that's yeah. a very good call. You are, we got some shout outs from a few of the people joining us. Um, hi, Betsy. Uh, Betsy and Steve from Heaven to Betsy who did the loop in 1718. Um, good to see you, Betsy. Thanks for joining us. Um, and Jack Schuff, who is from Jackpot. Jack, it's good to see that you're here. Jackpot, Jack and Joey, yes. we're on our previous, uh, oh, wow. our most recent episode of Docktails. Yeah, and I know, uh, I know Scott, you kind of watched that to see what we were all about on this. Yeah. Um, and we've got a, a hello and a congratulations from Barely Afloat with Steve. So hello, Steve. And uh, Carrie Poulter is Yay, um, Carrie Carrie's also one of our recent gold, gold yeah. bloopers, Carrie and Roan from um, Wayward Traveler. So good to yeah. see you, Carrie. Thanks for joining us. Um, so one of the things that I noticed and and you have uh, kind of a, a short documentary that you did post to Facebook. And we're going to play a little bit of that in a minute and provide everyone with a link to see, you know, a little bit more about that. But one of the things that kind of struck me in that, um, Andre, is that you mentioned that, you know, there were some hard times. (laughs) I think you may have mentioned uh, some days you weren't sure that you were going to make it. (laughs) Um, You know, tell us a little bit more about that. And then I promise we'll move on to um, not trying to scare people about a pontoon boat, because obviously Mm -hmm. it can be done. Um, But tell us about some of those hard days that you kind of allude to in the video.
2: Okay, I'll 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 tell you about my um, least favorite, the most scary, the scariest moment. I thought was Uh um, I don't know if everyone will recall this, but we were um, in Florida, uh, around uh, Fort Pierce area, uh, going north towards Cape Canaveral. And um, that one night there was a storm and, and the, the X uh, space launch for Tesla or for Elon Musk was going to be launched that day. They had to cancel because of bad weather and we were there to witness it. So we were in that kind of weather and we had, um, I think, about six to eight uh, footers out in the Atlantic. So the, the intercoastal was pretty rough as well. But um, we were having dinner in this um, little Bay cut, cut there, and someone, uh, we, while we were uh, getting gas, the dockmaster told us, hey, um, you guys don't want to be here tomorrow, There's gonna it's going to be Memorial Day, it's going to be a zoo, you guys need to get out of here if you can. Um, so we thought, you know, uh, after dinner, uh, if this weather, we can maybe outrun the storm and uh, go maybe witness the X launch, uh, the space launch, uh, ex- you know, launch that mm-hmm. evening, so we we attempted to do that and it was about 10 p.m. that we kind of got into this weather um unable to you know run even though we we're you know had had a boat that can go you know 35 40 miles an hour uh, we thought we could go fast enough um, and then the um being at nighttime about 10 11 p.m. that was another um you know increased or um, I guess, fear factor. (laughs) Limited visibility. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. Being not able to see as well, the markers, um, and then having about, like we're saying, you know, the limit where the boat can handle about three footers. We're having, you know, four footers and maybe once in a while, some five footers. Um, we got into that weather and, um, you know, just not knowing what, like, like what would be ahead. Uh, We just kept going. And at moments, we got to some uh, good areas where there would be bridges that kind of sheltered us, and the water felt pretty good again. The wind calmed down, and we kind of got up our courage again and be like, well, what do you you think? Do you want to go again? Give it another try. And then I can see a bridge over there. Let's go try to go there. And then we start going, and then maybe a mile into it, It started to get rough again, really bad, a lot of, you know, pounding uh, on the water. And um, we did that about three times. And then about 1 a.m., we said, maybe we should uh, stop. (laughs) So um, of all places in, um, in Fort Pierce, there was one spot that had a big spotlight and we thought, you know, let's maybe just go over there. We didn't even know. We hadn't called ahead to see if they had an available slip or anything. And some of those places we learned later, that specific marina um, told us that if the uh, tide is low enough, it's less than a foot of water. Uh, so you 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 guys need to be very careful so you don't, you know, um, the boat, yeah. Gro- yeah, the, the boat. And uh, being on a pontoon boat, we're very, you know, very uh, fortunate that even though it was maybe a little low tide, we were able to sneak in without, you know, any problems uh, because our draft, it was, you know, about a foot. And um, the only available slip in the whole marina, uh, we took it. Yeah. So um, we went in there
1: and it was calm because you go up and make a left. And just like Andre said, there was one slip at like one in the morning and of course we took it and i'm i'm the type it's like i don't like to just take someone's spot that could they may own it so so i called the uh the place the next morning and they were um uh awesome about it because i wanted to pay them and they're like we don't need anything we like them so much it's like well can we leave our boat here for a little one they're like no you can't leave your boat here you got to move on <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we were like we just loved it i wish i knew their That's an unsung hero in this whole thing was Mm -hmm. that guy, you know, helping us. So
2: my favorite part about this whole thing was at the end where, you know, found a hotel to stay the night. And then, you know, Dr. Myers, at the end of the day, asked me, "Um, did you pray? Yeah. Did you say a prayer? prayer? (laughs) Like, Like everything just aligned so well. We were end up being safe, found a slip. Found a hotel to sleep in. I was like, man, I was praying the whole darn time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
2: I love that. Uh, yeah, but, uh, well, I, but
0: mean, probably- I think we've all been there, Andre. Yeah, <laughs> right, it's right. Maybe not yeah. on a tri on the Great Loop, but I think we've all been in that rough weather and said a few prayers along the way. So right. <laughs> it always yeah. helps.
1: Hey, mm-hmm. if you stay close to Andre, it can lightning all around you. Nothing's hitting this guy. <laughs> so I just stand a little closer to him in bad weather. And uh, yeah. um, But we did put our kill switch on us. We had our life jackets on. I mean, we did what we could, you know. But, but right. and I don't know if
2: you want to touch on this, but yeah. this was yeah. a really good device that we never end up using. But um, I mean, um, do you want to talk yeah, a no, about it? Yeah, no, go ahead. About-
1: go ahead. Uh, I no. think you're right. So, E-perb. you know, people have e-perbs on their boat. Um, this is one that's smaller for like a, uh, it's, it's more of a personal location beacon, but we had it on our boat in case we did have trouble and we had a satellite phone in case we didn't have uh, reception. So, um, those are a couple small items that kind of helped us in case we got into some trouble. We, we felt like we couldn't get out of.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And for, and for those who are not familiar with personal locator beacons or EPIRBs, um, they activate when you are unintentionally, end Up in the water. Um, so, in the event that in rough weather you perhaps are thrown from the boat or the boat is uh, capsized, it activates, it allows the Coast Guard um, and other uh, rescuers to find you a lot more quickly. So, right. a, a couple of comments for you. Um, Project Trawler chimed in that uh, y'all have more guts than him, he said, or she <laughs> or both up. of them. <laughs> yeah and uh, Susan Webb, who's one of our I believe Susan's a current looper, if I'm not mistaken, but Susan's aboard reverie, um, right. and she's fascinated by the story as many of us are. Um, Thank you, Susan. And uh, barely afloat with Steve says it sounded pretty scary. and and yes, we're all very glad you stayed safe. Um, so certainly, you know, not your average loopers, obviously some adventure seekers here. Um, and also, uh, Jack Shuff, who was a little bit more of a traditional looper, um, did it as part of a couple on a 44 or so, a Cruiser's 4450, if I'm not, if I'm remembering correctly, Jack, um, Jack Pot is a Cruiser's 4450. Um, so yeah. Jack and Joanne are a little bit more traditional loopers. Um, right. But uh, Steve, when you, uh, Scott, I'm sorry, when you mentioned um, you brought three sleeping bags and it was just you, so you had to take some of those items off the boat. Right. Very typical looper experience. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Many of us have had to purge items from the boat uh, when you realize, you know, a few weeks in that you've brought stuff that you're not going to use. So one of the things I really love about having some of these kind of not your average looper stories is that, yes, there are things very different about the way you did the loop from some, but there's always some common threads that weave in and out through there. Like, uh, you know, the idea that you bring way too much stuff starting off and eventually have to purge that. and. Pair that down to a little bit more. Um, We've got a comment from the Motor Vessel Liberty 2, and uh, they'll be doing the loop on their Defever 43. So we'll look forward to seeing you out there. Mm -hmm. Um, I do want to go ahead. um, um, Scott, maybe you can tell us, you know, how this video, this documentary came to be, because it's uh, very nicely done um, and obviously done after you completed the loop.
1: Yeah, we have a family member that's getting a master's degree in film. Uh, and uh, it just coincided that she needed a project to do just a few weeks ago to finish her uh, like a master's type class. Uh, so it just kind of the, the stars aligned for us. It was a great story for her. It was awesome for me. And so um, she came to our house and met with us. And uh, I think I have to give a lot of credit to Kelsey Hassam for doing that. Uh, we're super excited because she's uh, engaged to our uh, nephew Kyle, so she'll be a family member soon, and we're we're happy for that. So, so that's how it came about. Um, if you don't mind, I'll go back. Let's see. So, so when you were talking about getting stuff off the boat, I want to tell you one thing about that. Yeah. I picked up my brother in Florida in Crystal River. And he's a Navy diver, he was, and you should have seen him on my boat. He's like, we need to deep six this, we need to deep six that. And like, it was like <laughs> my boat was going on a diet as I
3: <laughs> went down,
1: <laughs> down the way. But uh, but anyway, back to the video, yeah. uh, that's Kelsey Assam. She was the uh, the mastermind behind it. And I think she, you know, um, might do it for other people. You know, if people like the idea of it, I think um, yeah. you could contact us, we could ask her.
0: Yeah. Great. I'm going to go ahead and run the video. We're not going to run the whole thing. It runs about eight minutes, and since we only have an hour, um, I don't want to run the whole thing. But what we'll do is, um, and I actually don't have the link to, to put into the comments right now, um, and it won't go to the Facebook group anyway. So long story short, I will go ahead and post a link to the full video. Um, and It has been on our Facebook already, uh, but I'll post a link to the full video in the comments for this live session after we have completed it. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, roll the video and we'll, we'll let that roll for, for four minutes or so and then come back live. So here is the video.
1: So, uh, you know, I hadn't heard about the loop. Most people I talked to have never heard about it. Uh, so National Geographic came out with an article uh, this year talking about it being such a great trip and, and a trip that no one's ever heard of. And, and that's kind of true Uh, you know of course it's out there but uh, but with the pandemic it's become uh, pretty popular people are buying boats and starting the trip and um, and I hope that they you know are able to finish because there are many beautiful places to see here in the United States we have a connection of waterways some of them are natural some are man-made but they comprise a loop around the eastern United States. It's about 6,000 miles.
2: So you just get on a boat and choose a spot to start, and you go around multiple states, uh, throw water on your boat, and then when you cross your wake um, where you started, that you know ends your, your trip.
1: People are traveling the entire loop, and when they do, um, they end up crossing their wake. That's something that we call Um, completing the loop, you know it's crossing your wake and that's something special and there's an organization now that will have you fly a flag so if you're on that part of the United States you can tell if people are on the loop or not if they're trying to accomplish it. The first boat I chose was a ten year old boat it was 26 feet long Uh, it was a tri-tune and um, I went alone. The uh, trip was about 1,400 miles. I picked up my brother in Florida and we spent a couple of days together um, but at that point um, I had met a lock master along the way in the inland rivers and he told me I shouldn't cross the Gulf of Mexico on that boat and he was right because basically it's too small for the Gulf of Mexico but there are safe ways to do it so um, I um, went out south of Apalachicola and went straight across. Uh, that's about 160 miles, something like that. Uh, the safer way to do it, I think I would recommend is to go out to a place called Alligator Point and then wrap around the Big Bend of Florida. Um, but I had a good day of weather, so, so I worked out. Um, that was the first boat. Uh, the second boat I used, uh, well at that point I thought I needed a bigger boat, so I was gonna trade boats out. I ended up buying a smaller boat. So this one was 24 feet, had a bigger motor on it, and a friend of mine, Andre, joined me in Florida. Uh, so we took off from Sarasota, we fished in the bay, caught quite a few fish that day, and then we had headed around uh, through Lake Okeechobee and then up the East Coast. Um, we made it to Southport, North Carolina, uh, and at that point there's some big waterways at, there. So. So Andre and I, we'd gone through some great times, uh, maybe 10% of the time, some rough times.
2: There was about two or three instances that we had that I wanna say, you start thinking about, am I gonna survive this kind of thing, you know? But um, I think that, um, you know, going through those bad moments, one thing that I found was that it doesn't matter, or it didn't matter, whatever we went through at the end of the day we were able to dock somewhere and be safe and I've been thinking a lot about that lately Um, like with life you know an analogy with being on a boat and going through something really rough that it's kind of life-threatening and you're like oh I don't know if I'm going to survive this to at the end of the day you know you're safe on the dock Um, everyone goes through hard times but you know we overcome things and with the uh, loop it was the same kind of same situation you know we had hard times but over or we overcame those hard times we're able to dock and be safe and with life I feel like you know I will always remember this <laughs> Thank you know, God, like you know, whatever <laughs> I'm going through right now I know that this is just a moment and it will pass and I'll be fine you know so
1: so over time it took four years three boats, four years. Um, we only traveled 34 days. So uh, that might, you know, I, I think if we're looking at some of the highlights of the trip, that's kind of one of the highlights for me is that we're able to do it like that. So if a person had great weather, the right boat, they could do it super fast. But uh,
0: So we're going to go ahead and hold it there. And <laughs> we'll post okay. the link for everybody to kind of watch the rest of that because it is a, a really good synopsis. But um you know, three boats, four years, 34 days underway, some really amazing statistics. Um, You've got a a shout out here again, uh, Steve mentioned, this is a great story and you are very inspiring. They are Steve, so thanks for sharing that. And we got a, hello from Rick and Rhonda, R&R is their boat. Rick and Rhonda are some of our um, former DuckTales guests as well, so hi Rick and Rhonda, Um, good to see you. But so the, the three boats, Four years, 34 days. So obviously you looped in segments. Um, So I'd like to talk about the boat, but obviously there's three of them. Is there one that you kind of consider, you know, the primary boat that you did the loop in?
1: I think it has to be the last boat. And in the video, that's the one that was actually shown was that, and that was like Michigan where the motor's running through the water. Um, That was a 25, a QS, I'm sorry, QSB 25 Bennington with a 425 Yamaha outboard. And uh, that boat had the thicker aluminum uh, pontoons. They're all sectioned off. So if you poke a hole in one, you can keep going. Like that. Yeah. I loved all that about the boat. It had the underskin, it had thicker metal, better deck, better topside, comfortable, uh, fast. Um, so I loved everything about that boat. Um, the perfect boat for me right now is the middle boat. It was a Manitou, and it was 24 feet long with a 250 Yamaha, and that's easier to trailer we love that boat. So, so all of them were great boats, but uh, my primary boat that got us 3,200 miles was the last one, the Bennington.
0: So, so tell us a little bit more about the Bennington, you know, give us kind of her specs, the length, the beam, um, what type of engine, and we do have, you know, kind of another video we can pop up there um, that that you kind of gave us as an example of, of, you know, what that boat can do. Mm -hmm. Um, So while that's running, you can go ahead and, and give us a little bit more of the details about that boat.
1: Sounds good. So this boat is a 25 foot, but overall length is 27. Um, again, we just talked about what's under the boat with the uh, tri The motor on this boat is an offshore uh, Yamaha, and um, it weighs about a thousand pounds by itself. Um, you can just tell the motor's capable of doing it so much more than what the boat like. Like, I mean, you put one of those on, you can cross the Gulf of Mexico. No problem. Those are on center consoles. Uh, and people just love that motor. Uh, I did, too. People would come up to our boat around the dock, you know, when you're around the dock. And as much as they were interested in like the boat we were using, they were interested in that motor. That, uh-huh. You know, it's just and, and we had a, um, uh, a cooler on our boat that we bought at Walmart and it said virtually indestructible on a little sticker. And we thought that belonged on our motor. So we slapped it on the motor. <laughs> and it was, it was virtually indestructible. We ran through a log. I remember hitting a log and uh, we, we trimmed it up and there was no damage anywhere. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. it's a heck of a deal. Uh, really got us through some tough stuff.
2: And we could go really fast. That's what really enjoyed about the boat. With 425 horsepower uh, on that heavy of a boat, we were able to go 50 miles an hour if you need, we needed to. Right. So in cases like Lake Michigan, uh, some of the you know Great Lakes where the weather can flip on you very quickly, we were able to get off the water if we needed to very fast. Like
1: when you when you cross like Traverse Bay, you know when you're sitting on the front end of that. Um, and one thing that bothered us is if the weather was getting worse through the day, that really bothered me. If we were in a little bit of rough water and we felt it getting a little better, I was fine with that. So so once it started feeling a little rougher, we would just we would just try to hightail it to, you know, Leland or Frankfurt, something like that. So,
0: mm-hmm. a little
1: bit warm so what, sorry, Kim.
0: I, so tell me, you know, the boat obviously is capable of going very fast. Um, right. And you did the full route in a total of 34 days underway. So what was kind of your average cruising speed? Um, oh, let, let's start there. You know, can overall, you tell us, oh, you know, is there an yeah. average?
1: Roughly. Yeah, roughly. We were in the 30s most of the time. So it's not really that fast, you know, we 32 all day long in that first boat, um, maybe 42 on the second boat, the last boat, the last boat's heavy, it's 5000 pounds plus that motor. So we're talking like 6000 pounds, it's moving, which isn't a lot, I know, in the cruiser world, but it's a lot for a pontoon. And we, we ran that boat probably 38 miles an hour. And uh, you still see all the scenery. I mean, it's still beautiful. And uh, yeah. uh, and we did not rock the no-wake zones. That is not a looper thing to do. So, <laughs> so I know there's some question Very about true. that, but we are not disrespectful. We slowed down for ducks swimming across places. Right. We slowed down for every person on a boat, every dock, even if it wasn't in the no-wake zone. So we were respectful of that. And I think the Erie Canal is still in good shape because we went, you know, I don't think we tore anything yeah. up at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and I, I kind of giggled a little bit there because you mentioned it only went 32 kind of on average. And that, that's probably four times what we <laughs> yeah, right. to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's okay. Like I said, we are huge proponents here at AGLCA of, of everyone making the loop their own. And there is no right. right or wrong way to do it as long as you stay safe, which obviously right. you did. Okay. Um, so. so gasoline
1: engine correct Uh uh-huh all of them are gas that's correct Mm -hmm. yeah uh we yeah go ahead sorry
0: you mentioned carrying some fuel bladders like what was the typical range of the boat and and, you know how how much were you able to increase it with some fuel bladders
1: so i okay on that first boat i had 155 gallons on it so our range was over um like probably three hundred miles you have to mm-hmm. you have to put the throttle right, you know, just like on probably on on the cruisers, right you it's have like to find the yeah. sweet spot yeah, so mm-hmm. so um what was interesting was after thousands of miles, it was Joel that knew about the digital throttle, he knew more stuff about it, and there's an extra button on it, and you can keep clicking it, and it is the sweet spot, so like for that big boat going against current uh one point seven miles for the gallon, he could find it so. So as we went down the Mississippi and up the Ohio, I was able to uh, estimate very, very closely what my fuel um, consumption was. And mm-hmm. um, we made the turn up the Ohio and we were able to give it some gas again because we had plenty. But uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I say, yeah, one mile to three miles, depending on how you run the boat, it was, it was a big range on what you could mm-hmm. get um, per gallon.
0: Yeah. So the other question that, that came to mind for me as you were kind of describing the speed you typically went... Uh, f- for whatever reason, there's been interest lately in, you know, how fast can you do the loop, which is a little bit right. counter to what, you know, kind of the traditional looper mindset is. And and again, everyone needs to make this their own trip. But the question right. we get asked a lot that it's really tough for me to answer is how much of the loop is really a no wake zone. Um, right. So, uh, and thank you for being very respectful of the no wake zones and the Erie Canal has a, a 10 mile an hour speed limit, but can you put any ballpark estimate on how much of the time you feel like you were able to kind of, you know, run at wide open throttle and how much of the time you were in a no wake zone?
1: Well, it stretches, right? Cause Florida yeah. is rough, you know, Florida is slow. Uh, Erie canal can be very slow. Um, we had some pretty cool lock masters and we'd ask them, you know, what's between here and there, what do you think, you know, and they'd give us kind of this, you know, um, can we go, you know, can we go 20? And you just kind of, you know, but, anyway, but, but I think the whole Western Erie canal is slower, you know, because of uh, some rules. Um, when you look up the rules, it's like, are they laws? I mean, this is a question. Okay. I'm not saying like mm-hmm. uh, people should go faster, but, but I think we're trying to protect the Erie canal. You know, we're trying to protect the wake, what it's hitting rocks, whatever's on the side. So, um, you know, we talked to lock masters, to, to come up with, you know, what, uh, what, what uh, is reasonable. Um, mm-hmm. But we spent days on the Erie Canal, like it wasn't like we were able to race there. We had a couple of days we got stopped at lock 29 because they had a, they had a washout that took, I guess some loopers had to wait two months, which I feel mm-hmm. terrible for them. And then yeah. a really bad thing happened the day we were like we were supposed to lock through, uh, but a guy lost his life there. So we were fine with waiting. You know, uh, yeah, I just felt terrible for the guy. Um, and uh, so so things come up on the trip all the time that affect your um, and we weren't just trying to race it. We were okay. we were trying to do it before retiring because all of us, you know, Lauren's in school and we all work. So that's the only option I know of is to. To do what you can when you can, go all day long, get up early, go to bed late, uh, find a pole to tie up to if you have to, and just just do it. You know, so yeah. that's been our philosophy all along.
0: Yep, and I do want to talk about kind of how you did it in segments because for many people who are still working, that's really kind of the only option. Mm-hmm. But um, let's pop in a few of the comments that we've been receiving. Um, Susan followed up; she is indeed a current looper aboard Reverie. Um, love that, uh, she's got a mainship three ninety. So, uh, Susan, thanks for being here. Great to hear from you.
2: Um,
0: we also heard from Scott's cousin, Emily. Hi, Emily. Um, she's very proud of you and found this is fascinating. It really is Emily. Even for, for me, who, um, has probably interviewed hundreds of loopers at this, this point, this is a really fascinating story. So we're glad to be able to share it. And we've got, um, Jeff French, uh, says it doesn't matter what boat you have as long as you're having fun um wholeheartedly agree with you jeff and i might add to that staying safe (laughs) Um, there is no point in pleasure boating if it is not pleasurable for you (laughs) so (laughs) definitely a key component to
3: that um
0: and and jack is is still with us hey jack uh jack Jackpot, which is Jack and Joanne's boat, is uh, beginning the Platinum Loop tomorrow morning. So Jack, hopefully we'll see you along the way. Have fun in the keys. I believe that's where you're headed very shortly. Uh, We're envious, hopefully I'll be shortly behind you. Um, And Emily is is also offering another congratulations on your citizenship, Andre, which is, uh, yep, super proud. If you were not here with us for the beginning of the interview, Andre becomes a US citizen tomorrow, correct? Tomorrow is the big day. Yes. And we are uh, super excited for you yeah. and um, there. really proud of you and and that's uh, there's a photo in particular that Scott sent me that I do want to um focus on and we'll get to that in just a second. Um so if you are watching us on our Facebook group the Great Loop, uh this StreamYard platform that allows us to live stream with me in one place and our guests in another place and see the comments from multiple platforms. No longer allows us to see your name if you are on the Facebook group. So, um, hi, YOLO. Uh, welcome. All we see is a Facebook user, but you did mention your YOLO. So, um, I know you're a current looper, if I'm remembering correctly. I suppose it's possible there's more than one YOLO out there. Um, but thanks for joining us. And um, this is another Facebook user that we can't see who you are from the group, but um, looks like a beautiful boat that I'm on. <laughs> yes, it is a beautiful boat. I am aboard the Perch, which is a 41 Silverton. Uh, we are in Fort Myers right now and, um, our next stop actually is the keys. We'll be here in Fort Myers through the upcoming winter rendezvous, Fine which enough. is in less than two weeks.
2: Um,
0: wow. yeah. So then trip. hopefully, yeah. hopefully trip. relax. <laughs> <laughs> Come on down. It's great. The weather's been perfect. Yeah. Um, and I hope, you know, we'll stay here for till the end of February is the plan and then head down to marathon, um, some of our veteran loopers at uh, George and Pat Hospital, who have written a couple of books about the great loop host a sunset celebration for AGLCA members in marathon. And it is at the end of February this month. So we've kind of altered our plan to head for marathon a little bit sooner than we originally thought so that we can attend the sunset celebration. So hopefully we'll see lots awesome. of loopers there. Awesome. So I want to kind of jump in. Um, let me kind of pop this in and we've got some pictures. Um, Scott, these are, are kind of the, the ones that you picked out from probably among hundreds, if not thousands of pictures right. from the loop, but I'll let you go ahead and, and describe a little bit about what we're seeing. Uh,
1: this is um, after we left Rogers City, and um, our decision to make was, you know, Lake Michigan's coming, but do we stop at Mackinac mm-hmm. Island? And absolutely, you got to stop there. So we uh, we pulled into a dock uh, there, but this is right before that, the sun's coming up, and uh, um, and it, it was just a beautiful morning. So I took that picture.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I do love that, you know, you were moving quickly, but um, you just mentioned, do you stop at Mackinac Island? Of course you do. So clearly yeah. you also made time yes. th- to make the stops that you really wanted to see. So this is yeah. obviously a nighttime picture of one of the three boats that you Yeah, used that's to our.
1: That, yes, ma'am. That's our last boat. Uh, that's the Bennington. And uh, that's in Atlantic City, who we pulled in and uh, stayed at a marina and stayed at um, was it the golden nugget, golden that night? nugget. the golden nugget so mm-hmm. uh that's atlantic city where we took that picture mm-hmm. um, okay that's the newark uh wall we met a lot of great loopers yes. there um mm-hmm. that's where we met um carrie and roan um mm-hmm. some other um we met so many know, people there yeah we have some funny stories on that doc because you're kind of stuck there on the wall for a bit but some good things happened uh I saw AirPods floating by. So Andre held me by my feet while I was reaching down <laughs> Joel did, or Joel did. Maybe Joel grabbed did. Me. I think Yeah, I think read- it takes several people to hold me. So, <laughs> yeah. so uh, I, I'm down there just with my feet, you know, hanging in. And uh, of course it's just the case. There are no AirPods in it. So uh-huh. that was a disappointment, but, uh, but Andre, you know, we didn't know this. He can't fish there, but he caught a fish there without bait. He just had a, a hook only and caught uh-huh. a couple little fish right there. So wow. I thought that was fun. So, uh, that's a special spot. I, I think it's free to to tie up there. A lot of great loopers, a lot of fun. I have a lot of wonderful memories right there. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Tell me again where this is?
1: Uh Newark. Oh, on the Erie Canal. On the Erie Canal.
0: On the Erie Canal. Gotcha. So Yeah. Before
1: one, yeah.
0: yeah. And one of the things that I kind of uh, jumped over that I said I would cover is the the idea that you did this in segments. Uh-huh. Um so one of the things a lot of people doing the loop in segments report is that you know sometimes they're in close proximity and have that com- camaraderie with lots of other loopers, yes. um, as you're describing here. And sometimes you're a little bit kind of off season from where many of the loopers are.
2: Mm-hmm. So um,
0: there's pluses and minuses to everything, and and some folks feel like doing it in segments when you're kind of out of sync with loopers is a little bit of a detriment. But if you're still working, it may be your only choice. So. Tell us, logistically, how did you handle looping in segments? Did you trailer the boat back home between Yeah, so you have to kind segments? of, um,
1: like, my brain doesn't think, like, master plan, okay? <laughs> so, um, so I cruised, I got all the way to Sarasota, and um, after seven days of being sleep-deprived on my own and having a few boat issues, I quit. I was just like, I'm coming home. And I felt very defeated, like I've been kicked in the stomach, but it was me. I quit. So, so I kind of deserve it. So, um, so that boat, um, I gave it to a broker down there in Florida and uh, asked him to sell it for me. Um, mm-hmm. like if two weeks pass and they don't have the boat sold, I think there's a problem. So I'm going back down there and, uh, and I'm sitting at this bar on the Homosassa River and a guy sitting next to me, I'm telling my story uh telling him wanting to sell this boat and quit and he bought it from me sitting right there so uh he got a heck of a price and it was easy for me just to turn it over to him and and that boat was done and i moved uh, i came home so um about three years passed uh two or three years and then that's when i met andre and then we started talking and decided we wanted to uh do the trip again so i found uh, the manitou uh in Sa- south carolina and we had that boat trailer down to where I stopped the last trip and that's where we picked up and, and went, um, that trailer, I left down there and, uh, um, and we had made it around to Fort Pierce. Um, but the that that trailer was in pro- close proximity cause you just shoot across uh, the state of Florida if you need it. So I remember going across and putting it on the trailer.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, we, because of that one storm I mentioned earlier, yeah, we said, um, it, you know, in, a, in Florida, there's going to be a week where there was going to be bad weather. We didn't want to risk it. So we, we went, right. got the trailer, put the boat on the trailer, came home, worked for a week,
1: worked for a and week. then
2: flew back to Florida, put the put boat back in. back in the water, and then went all the way up to Southport, Southport. North Carolina.
1: And I met a guy, his name is Will uh, Summers. He's He's wonderful. He'll pick up your boat trailer and your boat anywhere in the country and bring it home. So, so he took the trailer up to Southport and we trailered that boat home and I sold it on table. Well, to, to a couple of guys from Lake of the Ozarks, they still have the boat. They still send me pictures. I feel like we're friends and they put a much better stereo on that boat. So, so these boats, I feel like have gone to good homes. I feel like, um, I, I get to know these people when I do make the sale, but, uh, but then that's when we made and built the, the final boat. And then we had that put at Wilmington uh, with NC mm-hmm. Boats. They were a great group there. So um, yeah. so it wasn't, again, it wasn't a plan. But, yeah, there was some trailering involved and um, a couple boat sales.
0: Mm-hmm. So we've got some more pictures. Um, tell us where this is.
1: That's as you come into uh, Chicago. Um, uh, so Joel and I had just made it from South Haven to there. Uh, by about noon, and uh, and we're just kind of cruising through. And one thing for loopers uh, that I think is very cool, if you go through there, is you can find on YouTube a an architectural tour. That if you just turn that on, I don't know, this may be common knowledge, but if you turn it on, you run through there, they'll tell you about all of those buildings and uh, their design. Who you know was the architect? Uh, why they built it that way? And I thought that was a perfect day, um, just a wonderful time in Chicago. Yeah, it's so yeah. cool because
4: you'll see other, you know, giant boats with all these people on it with someone up there doing it for them. But, you know, you're on your own private boat experiencing it yourself. Right. Uh, right. Just, it's yeah. yeah, it's just like you're somewhere where you, you know, shouldn't be, but you you are. Yeah, and, I
1: kind of felt like I was in a place I shouldn't be. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> but awesome. no, that, yeah. And that, that actually is not. Common knowledge. Um, a lot of loopers recommend the architectural tour, um, but Sorry. taking the actual tour boat. Some loopers Bridge. can't actually do the Chicago River because of their air clearance. Um, okay. you know, can't get yeah. under the bridges there um, yeah, okay. and end up taking the tour boat. But when what loopers who can clear those 17-foot bridges love to do the Chicago River, but I did not know there was kind of a a self-guided um architectural tour, so to speak. So that's yeah. good information. Yeah. Um, and this looks like perhaps Mackinac Island.
1: That's yes, right. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. So we pulled up to Mackinac Island on our pontoon boat. We pull up to a dock tie up and we walk up to a lady and we're like, can we just park here for a little bit? And she goes, Oh no, <laughs> you cannot park here. Cause there's going to be a big boat coming in. So, so we're like, Oh, I'm sorry. And, uh, and then, um, I'm like, can we get coffee? And she said, sure. So we grabbed a coffee, ran up to the street, took our picture, got back on the boat and we took off. Um, one of the rough, rough water experiences though was right after that, we, that was, a, okay. So our first experience with uh, Lake Michigan, of course, is the North side and there's some shoaling that goes out to a lighthouse and we went around the shoaling and I don't know if everybody does that. Um, but we were, I felt like we were about 15 miles out and it sure looked easy to, you know, cut South quicker, but, um, we didn't know what to do there. So we went out and around and, and made it back. Okay. But, um, it, that's the first time we noticed how rough um, Lake Michigan can get how it is, even when it seems okay. It was still <laughs> right. rough. Yeah. So and realized it's a lot better closer to shore. <laughs> yeah. We like being closer to shore for sure. Yeah.
0: One of the um, highlights for many loopers is the Statue of Liberty. So we've got, we've got this picture and we've got this one, which I, whoops, sorry, which I'm guessing is uh, very meaningful to Andre right now. Right. Um, yes. So oops,
2: uh, sorry about that. Yeah, I can talk about it a little bit. Well, um, I've never been, I've been to New York once, but never been that close to the Statue of Liberty. And, um, you know, the history of Ellis Island and, um, you know, the knowledge of knowing that people come, you know, they had to come through, um, you know, from different countries that wanted to enter the U.S. They had to go through Ellis Island, you know, sign the book, say where they're coming from and all that. So um, that same year, I, it was the year, was last year that I had applied for my citizenship, so, Dr. Myers had bought me a flag and um, I was able to take this picture. And in a way, it felt like, you know, I was entering the United States again, even though I've lived here for eight years or nine now. Um, you know, it was a, like a little, um, just like if I was, if it was back in the day, if I wanted to come to the United States, you probably would have been through Ellis Island. So I was able to take this picture and I cherish it. And it was a great, you know, opportunity and was able to, uh, you know, experienced this with Joel as well, and meet Joel for the first time, and uh, we became great friends. So, yeah, great moments there.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, particularly um, apropos as you uh, get your citizenship tomorrow. Um, I don't know that we've mentioned, um, Scott, that you're from Oklahoma, but we've got uh, Mark from New Mexico, um, so, and another landlocked, looper um or or hope to be looper is is saying that his wife is not really interested in the great loop Um, and mark is hoping to change her mind mark you need to get her to an aglca rendezvous because that's (laughs) we we are usually pretty successful in helping uh reluctant spouses to either realize that maybe they'll give it a try or know for sure it's not for them um but scott uh, kind of any thoughts for mark there
1: Yes. Um okay. So I'm very uh indebted to my wife because she put up with me for years. Um Carol would Carol would uh enjoy she likes she likes boating, you know. Um, but if someone's like not hundred percent on board like that, it's such a big trip. It'd be hard to kind of tell someone, do it anyway. Um mm-hmm. but I think a like a, an event where you meet people. Um one thing changed dramatically. I'm sorry, I'm kind of thinking about a lot of this. So um we were in um uh Norfolk Virginia and we weren't flying our flag. Our flag was under the seat. And we met Megan Milan, uh Bet uh Villarga, like mm-hmm. uh two two uh people traveling the loop on trawlers and they're when they heard we were doing the loop they're like you need to fly your flag and once we put that flag up there was such a community of people around it just opened up a world of uh help support friendship so I think if Mark is looking to do the trip and and if his wife thinks she might enjoy uh, meeting new people like that, uh, it's a wonderful trip. And if you have extra time, you can take, you know, you can take weather days off, you know, and, and I'd certainly recommend it. And then you spend more time getting to know people. So it's a wonderful experience. I hope he gets to do it. But, but Mark's situation was like mine. I kind of thought if I'm going to do it, I need to like I, I shouldn't wait till retirement and then and then maybe make carol do it with me you know i kind of <laughs> you know well i mean you don't make carol do anything but if you know carol <laughs> she's a yeah, boss but you know um anyway i just uh i just think that like it can be done you yeah. know we kind of yes. we had to make it happen and we did so i hope yeah. it happened for mark yeah
0: so uh Brian Wicks is chiming in. Hi, Brian. Um, Brian is one of our um, current loopers. I recently bought his boat and is getting ready to do the great loop. Um, So uh, Brian is asking your favorite moment. Um, He specifically was asking Scott, favorite moment, scariest moment. But as we start to wind down and already running out of time, sometimes these just fly by. So I really would like to kind of bring everyone into that. So maybe we can start with, Lauren, in addition to what Scott's asking about, favorite moment, I would love, Lauren, if you can just kind of tell us, you know, how it came to be that you found yourself on the Great Loop. Right, Um, so my
3: favorite moment, um, this is probably pretty unique, but we were docked one night, I think it was my first night on the boat and we were at a yacht club and I actually dropped my phone in between (laughs) the boat and the dock and I was, like, thinking about jumping in and grabbing it. My dad was like, no, no, no. <laughs> just let, her just, just yeah. let her go.
1: There is an iPhone at the bottom in Oriental, North Carolina. If somebody <laughs> wants it, it's it's still there. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, don't jump in, Lauren. So, <laughs> but yeah.
3: from that point forward on the loop, I just felt like I was so much more present. Uh, my dad let me drive the boat um, when the water was pretty calm.
1: No, no. He, she drove the entire family <laughs> go down <laughs> and pretty much all the Albemarle sound. That was Lauren. So the fact she was on the boat, <laughs> Let her goes yeah so yes. yeah she's tough yeah
3: especially um we would wake up at like five or six a.m every day and we'd get out there before um like anyone was on the water i think joel was talking about this in the documentary and the water was just so calm and it was just so peaceful so all those warnings yeah. are really special to me so yeah
0: so how long were you aboard lauren and um you know i, I know you're a college student so um I have one child in college as well and and he kind of would probably be very surprised to find himself on part of the Great Loop. So um you know how how did you obviously your dad was doing it but you know how long did you spend aboard and what did your 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 friends think about this journey?
3: Yeah, so I was on it for four whole days I think. Um and I went from Southport, North Carolina to Annapolis, which is about 800 miles. Um and yeah, my friends. I was telling one of my friends about it at home, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm doing this trip with my dad. We just went 800 miles on a pontoon boat <laughs> in like." <a> chest- <laughs> yeah. And he was like, "I don't like. I don't think that's the right boat." Like, <laughs> <laughs> Ask him what kind of boat you were on because I don't think it was a pontoon boat. Right. <laughs> so right. Pretty much the reactions yeah. that I got from um, yeah. yeah. people about it but
1: we got to annapolis and uh, we did have some boat trouble what happened we just had a gas tank that was uh delaminating so the, like all this stuff was getting in the water fuel separator so we had to stop and and um a friend of hers will uh lives in annapolis so he gave us a tour of the town which was nice but i've got to give a shout out to john mm-hmm. who is our boat mechanic there at the annapolis wow. harbor boat yard There is no guy that's more responsive. He'll wait on the dock for you if you're having trouble. So uh, we just got to give a lot of props to him. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's he's the man. So uh, we've made a good friend and uh, and I think one for life. So Mm -hmm.
0: uh, anyway,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So let's, um, Lauren, thanks for sharing that. And and again, best of luck in your cheer competition. That's really exciting. Joel, let's jump over to Joel because we haven't had a chance to hear a whole lot from Joel. Um, Joel, kind of tell us your favorite moment and how long you were aboard and, and you know, also how it came to be that you found yourself on a segment of The Great Loop.
4: Yeah. Um, so originally when Scott was planning uh, this this trip, um, me and my brother were, were going to go with him. Um, and just the way work was working out, things like that. Um, we really didn't get to get a chance to meet up with Scott until right about the time that he had that really, really first rough, uh, leg. Um, that, you know, that's when he quit for about three years or so in between. Uh, so, um, we were, we were planning on meeting up with him, I think maybe, uh, two days from, from when he decided he was going to quit. Um, so we put everything on hold. Um, and, um ended up i just happened to uh, have just lost my dad uh so i was definitely looking for you know a a nice distraction from from reality and um you know maybe make make our own reality and things like that so scott scott had an opportunity for me to come out and meet him and andre and uh continue um what our original plan was so i was able to jump on and um probably my favorite moments would be um, just, I mean, definitely the mornings I I would say it's, it's just uh, being out there uh, alone. uh, There's nothing, there's, there's nothing quite like, like being able to do that. Um, I'd never really experienced anything like that big of a trip that many days, especially on a boat. You know, I was worried I was going to get seasick, things like that. So, um joel's the man
1: joel <laughs> wait there there's a part on this trip we called the wave and uh-huh. i hit a wave so hard in lake michigan it went up and knocked our bimini top and i'm not joking i've got pictures of it so it doused joel it doused andre knocked my contacts out and wow. uh and i look back and joel's just chill in the back seat like he must think his uncle's like you know um a good captain or something because he's like, <laughs> totally confident, fine, so I don't think he'll ever be a victim of uh, seasickness, but uh, uh, Andre took over, and I had my adrenaline overload mo- moment, just kind of shook over on the side while while he uh, drove the boat, and uh, and we got into Frankfurt safely, so, uh, but I think if you don't mind with a second, and we might share that special story of Joel, if we have a second, uh, oh, yeah. sure. his dad, his dad was uh, super special to me, too, um, his name was uh, Richard Debrasse, but Uh, he kind of succumbed to complications related to COVID in March. So so for Joel to be with us, uh, it was wonderful. Uh, But he was doing something along the way I didn't know about. Will you share that with him?
4: Yeah. Yeah, So, uh, you know, definitely, um, you know, when you lose a a loved one, um, you know, part of that might be spreading their ashes. So I definitely wanted to take this special moment in my life to to just spread my dad different places, especially places that I thought were special places that um, you know, I had fun at um, or places I just thought were beautiful places that I thought that he would like, you know, maybe to, to be able to visit. Um, so uh, that's, that's something that I, that I was able to do and something that I'll cherish being able to to, to do that in all those different areas of the
1: great loop. That's awesome. And, Joel. Uh, it,
0: and- it is awesome. Really inspiring. Yeah.
1: Uh, Kim, when, when, uh, the video shows, uh, Joel on the back of the boat, that's the mouth of the Mississippi where the cliffs are. And that's uh-huh. one of the places Putin Bay was one, cause his dad liked to have fun too. So, you know, yeah, Richard Bear, <laughs> okay, sad, Richard. yeah. yeah. uh, but at the mouth of the Mississippi too, um, that was another one. And that's when I figured out what, what Joel was, uh, and then actually Lake Michigan too, actually, right. mm-hmm. I think that's when I figured it out. So,
0: okay. So we're a few minutes over time, we try to keep these to an hour, it gets really hard because so many interesting stories about the Great Loop, but just to kind of move towards wrap up, just in a few words, I would love to hear from each of you on, you know, either, and you can pick either what you gained from the journey or what you would want other people to know who are considering possibly undertaking this.
1: Let may start. Go ahead. I mean, there's three yeah, things like think there's sarcastic responses. Uh, practical, though, I think uh, Andre took power bars, beef jerky, and water. We made it thousands of miles on that, so I think that was good as a practical <laughs> point. Uh, mm-hmm. The biggest thing we probably learned for safety was check multiple apps, you know, Wind Finder, um, live action booby data, uh, Joel figured that out for us. Yep. Uh, and then Andre said something to me that I think should stick with all of us. If the seas say two to three feet, put an extra foot on there, you know, like when you're going yeah. out, think of them as fours, you know, and then if you're still wanting to go out, you know, have at it. So from our perspective on a small boat, I thought that was very useful information. Uh, the the philosophical thing is take a chance. We only live one time. We've got COVID around. You never know when your time's up. So uh, that doesn't mean go be stupid, but like, Uh, If you see something, you want to do some adventure, tackle it, like give it a go. And I felt terrible for quitting, uh, but with a lot of help from friends. And I think that's a big takeaway for me is that uh, you've got family and support, Uh, you know, uh, lean on that, lean into that. So um, I appreciate every one of them. Um, I've got a couple of things I'd like to give my buddies. Lauren's got one at the house uh, already. So this is for you, Joel. All right. And then this one's for Andre. Andre caught the biggest bass, bigger than I've ever caught. So it's right here. Uh, thank you, I memorialized. It. Thank you, guys thank you so much. That's cool. Kim, thank you. Um, you have any more comments?
2: Here? Sure. Honestly, you you make we made great friendships on this trip, uh, um, and if you get out there on the water, I mean, I grew up in a small country, which is also beautiful, but I was able to witness the beautiful of the United States and. Anywhere you go on this loop, um, there's beautiful sites to be seen and beautiful places to visit, great food uh, and great people to meet as well.
4: Right. And there's a really, you know, a definite area for you, uh, you know, an opportunity for you to, uh, whatever group you end up going with, to, to really, really work as a team.
2: Um, yes.
4: You know, you always need somebody looking out for. Or what's in front of you you'll always need somebody looking at the weather you'll always need someone driving um, and it's just it's just such a great opportunity to build that trust and mm-hmm. and build your friendships with somebody so if you're looking for something special where you can really build that with someone it's it's a really great opportunity
1: absolutely yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. that that is all great advice and again one of the things I love about this story is that um, you know often we fic- feature kind of typical loopers and often we feature not your average loopers you fit in that second category Mm -hmm. but while there's some really unique things about how you did the loop there's some you know threads woven throughout that that really fit most loopers and those you know lessons learned the tips um about the weather and and making it your own and um you know even mark asking about you know his wife is not quite all in yet um And, and no you know, training. Scott, you, you experienced that and, and found a way to still, you know, you started off by yourself and found out that maybe wasn't exactly what made you uh, the most of your loop for you and and recruited the rest of this great crew to join you. So um, we're proud to have you as loopers. And I want to thank you all for sharing your story today.
1: Thank, thank you. you. And one fun parting thought. Uh, thank you yeah. so much for including us. You know, we know we're not the traditional loopers, but to be a part of your organization, it's just, we just really feel honored to be part of it.
0: Yeah, well, and and we're super, very happy to have you. Um, Like I said, it's, there is no right or wrong way to do the loop. So just because you maybe don't fit in that traditional mold of a couple on a 40-ish foot boat, doesn't mean um, you didn't earn that gold burgee just the way everybody else does. So we love to feature kind of the different stories. And we're so thankful that all four of you joined us today. Um, That is something we have not tackled before. um, And I think I think technology cooperated with us. So, um, and thank you all for getting on here to test it with me ahead of time too. But thank you for joining us. Um, thanks to everyone who has watched on our social media channels. We appreciate you. Um, Scott, Lauren, Joel, um, Andre. Thank you for sharing your story. It's been inspiring.
1: It's a pleasure. Thank you. Good night, you everybody. Too.
0: Good night, everybody. Stay safe.
3: Bye, bye. See you.